Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look into Sarasota and Orioles spring training as the big league spring training games have started this weekend. Orioles have played four times already, and we've got uh, boots on the ground down in Sarasota as Zach Silver the new, or I guess old and now new again, Orioles beat reporter for MLB.com is joining us here on the podcast to talk about everything he's seen down in Sarasota over the past week or so. And it's going to be a good look into some O's regulars and some O's prospects as well on this podcast. So we'll get to that on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles. Your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we've got Zach Silver from MLB.com here with us today. But before we get to him, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked On Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods, wherever you listen. And remember, we're on YouTube now as well. You can watch us right here. You can see my beautiful face, Zach's beautiful face as well. As uh, remember, you know, if you like your podcast in YouTube form, come over to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page, hit that red subscribe button, and uh, check us out over here on YouTube as well. But again, we're back to five days a week. It's the only O's podcast out there bringing you content Monday through Friday. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. And we thank you again for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. And for your first listen today, we're joined by Zach Silver, Orioles beat reporter for MLB.com. And Zach, welcome back to the show and welcome back to the Orioles beat. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's been a while. It's been, what, almost two years that I've been on the show. So um, it's good to be back. It's a nice little homecoming to tie a bow on the homecoming that's been this past couple of weeks. Yeah, you were uh, you were on in the show's infancy. This is well before <laughs> YouTube. This was this was back back in the old days uh, of locked on Orioles. But uh, you know, you returned to the Orioles beat after you were covering the Orioles in kind of a you know it was a kind of hybrid scenario, and then you went and covered the Cardinals, and now you're back. Uh, what is the number one thing that you are happiest about being back in the Baltimore DC area? Yeah, I mean, really, it's being back close to home, close to friends and family. I'm from the area. I went to high school in the area. You know, I mean, I grew up going to O's games as summer camp at J Camp JCC, you know, school trips, uh, field trips, weekend trips. So um, it's nice to be back and covering ball, you know, being around friends and family who at least have some kind of connection to the O's. I get texts from friends about what's going on with Adley today, stuff like that. So it's uh, it's nice to be back home in a comfortable setting for sure. Well, I guess you had a perfect transition there. Let's start there. <laughs> what's going on with Adley today? I know you guys got an update. Uh, today from Brandon Hutt. Yeah, the only update was really a non-update in that there's no setbacks, nothing happened. Uh, he still is progressing as planned. Um, he is still not really doing any baseball activities to give that tricep as much rest as possible. Uh, but the hope is within the next two weeks, he will be sort of ramping back up his progressions. That will bring him to around the end of March. He maybe start getting back into baseball activity. Um, and then, you know, through the beginning of April is when he'll sort of make his return to more full activities. And yeah, it was, it was an interesting question throughout camp is what's going to happen to Adley? Is he going to make the opening day roster? Is he going to catch John Means on opening day in Tampa? But you know, this decision sort of got made for them in that while maybe there's a chance he's game ready by opening day, 
now they have something that you know they want to at least at least ease them in back into game action i, I mean the fact that they won't see any major league pitching until maybe the very end of camp means there's almost no way they're going to throw him into the fire for his first debut in opening day when he had no time to ramp up so um it's unfortunate for him he was looking forward i'm sure and obviously to getting into his major league debut but it just builds up more of the hype for when he eventually does yeah, I think, you know, maybe best case scenario, the hope from this side is maybe he's game ready by the time Norfolk opens on April 5th. Maybe he can play a week there and hopefully come to Baltimore when they're back home that second week of the season. Obviously, we will see, you know, it, it's obviously hard to tell because Brendan Hyde isn't going to really, you know, let this be shown. But has there been any, you know, show of of concern just about the fact that it was elbow soreness one day and then it was immediately you know oh we, we we found it was the tricep thing the next day yeah that that in particular i don't think is a much concern more just because the elbow is a general area that he reported discomfort and it required an mri to sort of pinpoint so if anything i guess it's more encouraging that they have a, a direct diagnosis of where they can pinpoint treatment and where they can attack uh to get him back on the field so um yeah nothing of any sort of kind has been gloom and doom about the future prospects of his career if this is something that is going to come back in the future i mean obviously this offseason was was crazy with the lockout and guys and obviously adley wasn't part of the group that was out of touch because he's not on the 40-man roster um but it was a bit of a longer layoff maybe from some guys and there was just a little bit more craziness going on so um yeah there's, there's no indication that this is any sort of great magnitude other than a couple of weeks of downtime and then he's pretty much fact of full health um but it is something that they are going to be they are going to be cautious with you know michael Elias said that the new rules in the cba aren't going to dictate what they do with adley this year they aren't going to dictate if they call him or grayson rodriguez or dl hall up any particular time um but it, it does sort of give them at least some kind of reason to be more patient with him and, and give him a little bit more time to get up to game speed so you mentioned grayson rodriguez and as we record this here on monday night you got to see him uh, at the ballpark, get into his first big league camp game of the spring. Uh, obviously, the game wasn't televised, so a lot of Orioles fans didn't get to see it. We know he went one, two, three in his first inning of work. He got hit around a little bit in his second inning, walked a couple of guys. The results are not what we're worried about in a spring training game. But but what was a kind of the you know excitement to to see him out there from Orioles people, and then b you know how did you think he looked against? Because at least he pitched early in the game, so he did see big league hitters in, in that outing as well. Yeah, I mean, kind of like what you said, where the results are not chief among what they what was being looked at today. Although if you talk to him after the game or you saw a video in the story I wrote after the game, he looked like he just lost Game 7 of the World Series was how, how frustrated he was with that performance. But overall, I mean, it, it's still – he still had a good head on his shoulders. He, he knows that this is an experience for him. He knows that, you know, maybe he feels the pressure of if you – went out and struck out six guys and he he felt like maybe momentum is swelling towards a call-up but you know it doesn't sound it never sounded like they were going to give him a call up for opening day um but i was honestly surprised how quickly it sounds like they could bring him up this year uh, michael elias when talked to talking about dl hall and grayson rodriguez seemed a lot more optimistic about the the readiness for grayson and the, and the promptness for which he could contribute to this team um so i i, I that to me was a bit surprising but um, it sounds like, you know, both these guys are going to be on the staff at some point or another, what they're doing, when they're doing it is still to be determined. And these next three weeks will maybe give a little bit of a better blueprint as to when that's possible. Um, but yeah, overall, very encouraging outing today. And it, it's a great experience for him. Brian Hyde said as such for him to just kind of be here. I mean, I was talking with Nathan Ruiz of the, of the sun today, just 
Grayson Rodriguez was drafted in 2019, yet this is his first big league camp. It's just kind of a, a crazy thing. And you'd think he might have gotten into a grapefruit league game last year, um, but they were super cautious with his his innings last year. So it, it maybe shouldn't be a surprise looking back on hindsight. But um, yeah, it's, it's just more just to come from this kid over the next few weeks. Yeah, that was legitimately like the first time besides maybe at the alternate site that he's been able to face big league hitters, essentially, was today. And a one, two, three inning to start. You know, again, the results aren't super important, but that was obviously nice to to hear about from Grayson. You know, I did want to also get to the guy who started this game because he's become more and more of some talk for the Orioles, and that is Tyler Wells, who came into the Rule 5 draft, was used in a long relief role early last year, and, and really struggled and then, you know, he kind of got through an injury, came back. All of a sudden, he was the Oriole closer by the end of the year. And obviously, questions are going to come. What's his role going to be? Because he was a starter when he was in the minor leagues, uh, in the twin system before coming to the Orioles. So what has that chatter been like about, you know, the potential of him being a starter? And, you know, how did he look in his two innings today? Yeah, like whereas Grayson had one great inning and one struggle of an inning, Tyler really had two breezy innings. He had two strikeouts, six perfect batters faced. Uh, he even caught a, a line drive right back at him just to make things as as saucy as they could have been. So um, he, he had a really great day. And it's been interesting to follow his trajectory because just based on kind of everything you laid out, the fact that he had such success as a one-inning closer by the end of the year, um, and the fact that even prior to this past year, he hadn't pitched as a real full-time pitcher since 2018. He he lost 2019 with Tommy John surgery, and everyone lost, like like everyone else, he lost the 2020 minor league season. So um, last year was his first year to really pitch a full healthy season in almost three years. And while they have been they have been cognizant of the fact that he probably can't pitch a full starter workload for the entire year, it's interesting at least to see how he's being built up as a starter. Now, that being in mind, when he was pitching regularly in 2018 and earlier, he was pitching primarily out of the, almost exclusively out of, as a starter. So in effect, this is kind of a return to normalcy for him, but just based on what these last several years have brought for him, you would think maybe they'd be a little bit more cautious, but just, just the, the terminology used and the, the, uh, the rhetoric used about him right now is that, you know, it's always easier to build a guy down than it is to build them back up in the middle of the year. He can pitch, you know, three or four or five innings now, and then he can Later in the year, if it gets to be too much and his durability is running dry, then it's always easier to build him down. And he has that experience now, what it's like to pitch one inning in the major league level. So, um, you know, someone like him and Jorge Lopez, they're both being built up as starters, but mainly at this point, it is to keep options open. And we'll see sort of by the end of camp where each of those two guys stand. Yeah. And for Wells, you know, it's all about a lot of Orioles fans saying he was so good in that closer one inning role. Why change it? Well, the Orioles are in need of starting pitching, we know, and especially right-handed starting pitching right now. So if the O's feel that he is ready to make that next jump, you know, again, he was a starter. And a Rule 5 year is always going to be a weird year for a guy because you have to keep him in the big leagues, so you do some weird stuff with him to keep him in the big leagues. So now right. that he's in your system, maybe they execute the real plan all along, which was maybe for him to become a starter. So uh, it's definitely something to look out for. We'll continue with Zach Silver of MLB.com here in just a moment. But first, you know, you look at the calendar and it is March. And obviously that means March Madness. We're into the Sweet 16 of the men's and women's brackets. And from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you can get it all at betonline.net. As it's the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info, everything on the NCAA tournament. And BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores as well, your podcasts, and news 
this season. But it's not just basketball, despite it being the madness of March. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. You can even take a look at some hockey lines. And hey, how about baseball? Only a couple of weeks away. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline.net, where the game starts. So we're back here with Zach Silver, Orioles beat reporter for MLB.com. And Zach, we've gone over you know a couple of players that you saw in Monday's game against the Twins for the Orioles. But really, I did want to ask just what has it been like being down there? You know, obviously there was spring training cut in half in 2020. And then, you know, 2021, there was spring training, but, you know, a lot of restrictions were still in play. And I'm sure there are still restrictions down in Sarasota. But how close has it been to normal? How much experience do you have spring training wise before this year? And, and just kind of what What's the vibe been like down in Sarasota this week? Yeah, it, it's it's been nice. Um, the weirdest part of where I've been in my very brief career so far is that I haven't really covered a normal season. Um, I was an intern in 2018 and 2019, so I guess in, in, in some respects it was normal, but those are all – I joined MLB in the middle of the year, so I was, I was parachuting in, in in June and going from there. But 2020, 2021, and now this year – um, you know, even, even with the lockout things made things crazy. So, uh, but as far as access, as far as clubhouse, as far as games, this has been the most normal it's felt in, in many years. Um, clearly, you know, the fact that we are in clubhouse is able to go up to a, a guy at his locker, just able to kind of incite some sort of casual conversation uh, is, is a bit of a game changer, just how we're able to cover these guys, how we're able to cover the team. Um, you know, there, there's many times in the past where I've written stories or been tasked with stories where you sort of need to take a sampling of a lot of players and a lot of guys. And the, the, the difficulty of doing that when you're trying to pull someone aside, going from the clubhouse to batting practice or to treatment or to anything is really a game changer now. And uh, that you can just go up to a guy sitting at his locker, you know, playing um, you know, Angry Birds or Clash of Clans or Titans or whatever they're called, um, and just and just start a conversation. It's so much better for relationship building, for source building, for you know coverage. Just we get better quotes, we get better insight, we get better color going up to a guy after a game, before a game. So it's been really nice in that regard. And uh, yeah, it's just felt the most normal that covering baseball has felt in quite some time. Yeah, I'm happy to to hear that Angry Birds is back. Uh, that's 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 definitely a good sign. <laughs> Um, what I just did want to ask, like, what is the spring training clubhouse vibe? How, how does it differ from the regular season clubhouse? Just because you got more bodies in there, first of all, and you've got a wider array of guys because not only do you have the non-roster invites and the younger guys, but you also have guys who are, you know, maybe pulled up for minor league camp for that certain game. Like, like what is the big difference when you go in there in Sarasota versus, you know, in Baltimore? Yeah, certainly the amount of people is stark uh, in Baltimore clubhouse. will get, you know, certain guys will have lo the location of their locker will be purposeful. You know, Chris Davis, when he was around, had a locker that had basically a big sort of gap between him and the next guy just because he was a veteran. He, he earned that sort of respect. Um, but now, you know, it's it, there are still circumstances like that. For example, Trey Mancini has a locker all the way on the end of the clubhouse next to the dining area that just – you know, he has the most personal space out there. He's earned, he's earned that, uh, just not just service time, but just his leadership qualities. Uh, what's also interesting is that the 
locker on the opposite end of him, so right on the other side of the little doorway, is Adley Rutschman, who has not played a single game in the major leagues, yet he is just seen and, and given this amount of respect on, on the, in, in that circumstance. And it's also interesting to see who sits next to players. It's, it's, it's grouped by position. So you get the outfielders, you get the catchers, you get the middle infielders. Um, but, you know, just the order, it goes Trey, Cedric, Austin Hayes and then Ryan McKenna, and then Anthony Santander. So it goes from there. And it's interesting to see how that is designed and how that is or- orchestrated. And, um, you know, in, in spring training, there are the biggest differences that there are a lot more people there. There are a lot more players. There are guys, obviously, who aren't going to be on the team when the regular season starts. Uh, there are auxiliary clubhouses for guys who don't have major league service, who don't, you know, have to go back in, in the back a little bit. So um, it's, also, it's a lot looser. Um, it's a lot more open and it's just guys are more sitting around and and talking and um you know playing ping pong and whatnot so you know once the regular season starts there are days where it's like that but it's pretty much it's more of a social scene in spring training because guys are just kind of being getting into the swing of things still so um it has been really nice to be back in the clubhouse really nice to just be able to foster relationships that are much much harder to, to try and accomplish on when you're not allowed in the clubhouse yeah, I know you guys as the media are excited. The fans are got to be excited as well because I mean the stories that are going to come out, I just are going to be better, and there there's going to be more of them because I know a lot of the stuff that you pick up on that is a conversation one day that turns into a story three days later is just stuff that gets you know overheard in the clubhouse or just comes out when you're asking a player about something completely different, and you know it, it's it's exciting to have that kind of stuff back uh, for what you guys do but wanted to go back yeah. to, to guys on the field you know we talked about some specific guys you know how Adley Rutschman is feeling we talked about you know Wells and, and Grayson Rodriguez just give me a give me a picture who you've seen so far in the you know big league spring training games that we haven't talked about yet that at least it impressed you in what I know has been a very small sample size so far of what you've seen. Yeah, uh, well, to answer that question a little bit differently, what's been interesting to me is the amount of pitchers we haven't seen yet in spring training. Um, you know, we're recording this on a, on a Monday, and John Means is set to pitch Tuesday against the Pirates, and that'll be his first time pitching in grapefruit action. Um, and truth be told, he might be the first pitcher who has any sort of hopes for the opening day rotation, you know, outside of Tyler Wells maybe today, to – have pitched and appeared in major league game. Jordan Lyle still hasn't appeared in a game. Uh, Dean Kramer will be appearing tomorrow alongside uh, uh, John Means. Um, Bruce Zimmerman is still yet to appear in a game. Alexander Wells, Zach Lowther. So it's interesting in how they've sort of deliberately spaced out these pitchers. Um, that was, that's been very purposeful. They, in a lot of respects, just had to see where these guys are at. Cause obviously with the lockout, they weren't able to really communicate with players and, you know, someone like Isaac Matson, who had a, had a chance to, to broach and to, to hit this major league bullpen by opening day, has been set back by a shoulder injury. Now, it's not necessarily the lockout that did that, but it didn't help him in really being able to set aside a treatment plan for when he did return to the league, so or return to, to the team. So um, it's been interesting to see how they've braced things out, and especially with John and Jordan Lyles, it's been very purposeful because they really need to rely on these guys this year. They're the only two bona fide starters who have – multiple years of experience that are ready to be in this rotation. Um, Jorge Lopez has pitched in the rotation, but obviously with a lot more success as a starter. Uh, but, you know, to answer your original question, I'd say Jorge Lopez was pretty impressive uh, on Saturday. Just, you know, we talked to him. He's, he's happy to take any sort of role. Um, he's happy to pitch out of the bullpen, pitch as a starter. He had, you know, like I said, much more success last year. 
Um, and he just seems like a very infectiously happy person. So, um, you know, just given his story, given where he's come from, it's nice to see. And um, he, he, you know, it, it might be a case of a guy who just doesn't really have the durability or the repertoire to serve him in a starting rotation. And once he maybe hones into a few specialty pitches as a reliever, he can sort of start to take off. So, um, yeah, pitching has been a little bit tough to come by just because we haven't really seen a lot of their top guys. Yeah, it was uh, 11 pitchers used in the Monday game. Um, and there's a good chance that, you know, maybe Wells and two others, three others are on the opening day roster from that entire list. I know it was just... Yeah, I'd say Wells, Sulcer, and maybe Keegan Aiken. Maybe yeah, and, and you could, I would say the only other guys, maybe Baker and, and Crable, you could throw into that mix of, of potentially yeah. being in there, but it was a lot of minor league guys, and I know a lot of pitching changes as well in a 10-8 game. I'm sure you had a, a fun long day at the ballpark today. <laughs> Four hours. Um, <laughs> but we're going to get to uh, talking maybe some, some hitters who have... Uh, you know, shown out so far in these couple of games with Zach Silver of MLB.com. But first, let's talk about rockauto.com because, you know, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, all these different cars, all these different parts, it's hard to know what part car needs, how much you should actually pay for it. And it's also hard to just get the right person to tell you what you need. You go into an auto parts store or a chain dealership and, you know, people in there just try to basically big time you and and prove that they know more about cars than you listen. I don't know anything about cars, but I drive a car. It's a Honda CRV. I like it a lot and I want it to run smoothly. So if something's wrong with it, I go to rockauto.com to find the part I need because you can save time, you can save money when using Rock Auto and they make it super easy. I don't know what this part is supposed to do, but I can search the name of it and immediately find the best price and I can get it pretty quickly as well. And uh, I don't have to feel like I know nothing by walking into a dealership. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on Orioles in their How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. So we're back here with Zach Silver, Orioles beat writer for MLB.com. And Zach, you know, wanted to get into hitters as well, because at least on the hitting side, you're seeing most of the guys who we will see on the opening day roster at this point. That's where it differs from the pitchers. And obviously it's much easier to get all these guys in the game all the time. And, you know, we know some of the highlights so far, Arias and Yusniel Diaz homering against the Red Sox the other day. We know Trey Mancini has a little bit of a different stance out there now, but, but who has stood out hitting wise. It could be a guy who, you know, is locked in on the opening day roster or could be a guy who maybe is, is in a battle right now. Yeah. So you kind of already mentioned one guy who is an interesting case to watch right now and using Diaz, who could be approaching what is a make or break year for his standing in the organization, obviously coming in the Manny Machado trade from 2018. He's just had a really hard time staying on the field, staying healthy, producing, um, you know, pretty much case in point was he went to the Arizona fall league this past year had a couple great games, some some big some big hits, and then get shut down with some shoulder soreness. So uh, he's had a tough go since he landed, and it would just be really, you know, even though this current regime under Michael Elias weren't part of the Manny Machado trade, it would be really nice to see them able to sort of expend something out of this trade. You know, you've got Dean Kramer, who we'll see if he's in the rotation. Maybe maybe he's another guy who they turn into a reliever and really focuses on his curveball. Uh, you have Ryland Bannon, who's had a tough go since he's gone to the organization. Um, Bradley Valera is not in the organization. And, uh, you know, Houston LDS was kind of the crown jewel that was supposed to come to the Orioles. So 
He's had a good showing so far. He's taken a few walks. He had the big homer the other day, as you said. Um, someone else who is maybe off the beaten path as far as their expectations this year, but has really impressed is Colton Kowser, who's uh, had some really great plate discipline. He's had some some nice hits, some good pieces of hitting. Um, you know, he, he, granted, he's not playing against other teams' major league arms, um, but it is still, you know, guys are trying their hardest in spring training, and he has been one who's kind of stuck out as far as his plate discipline and his back-to-ball skills. And that's what was very very much advertised as his calling card when he got drafted. He's just a pure hitter. Um, you know, it seems like there are some qualities of him that, you know, not to say he is or is going to be, but has some kind of Soto-esque Juan Soto qualities where he has very good very good eye, a very good bat-to-ball skill, and then his left-handed hitter who can both hit for a little bit of power but is a very contact-driven too. So um, those two guys have stuck out so far. Obviously, it's been very wonky in getting regulars into the lineup. They're pretty much alternating days. Uh, so I'd say probably in this next week, we'll have a better idea of who's really going to kind of differentiate themselves to get onto the starting roster. Yeah, listen, you're going to excite a lot of Orioles fans. You just said Juan Soto and Colton Kowser <laughs> in the same sentence. But for me, it's more like I just continue to get Nick Markakis vibes out of Colton Kowser. And I think if the Orioles got another Nick Markakis from their first round pick, Mike Elias would would love that. And, he, and he's got the same kind of hit profile where, yeah, Markakis, you know, could have 20 homer seasons, but he's just going to spray the ball around the field and just an elite hit tool and, you know, can play the outfield and can be a leadoff hitter. And I think everybody's fallen in love with the with the Colton Kowser pick. And similar to what I think will happen with Kerstad is I think people will soon realize that Kowser wasn't that far off from being the fifth best, best player in the draft. And, and we know the Orioles went technically under slot to get him, but it's not like he was the 15th ranked prospect. Like, you know, people had him six, seven, eight, nine across the board, and and you're seeing why right now. But Zach, I I kind of wanted to finish up with this. You know, I was originally going to ask you, you know, where do you see the biggest roster battle happening? But you know, it's it's so hard to tell at this point, March 21st. So I kind of wanted to ask about one specific thing, and it 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 has to do with the infield because obviously Orioles fans were holding on to a thread that maybe quite possibly Carlos Correa would be in an Orioles uniform. Uh, instead, he signed with the team that. Lost to the Orioles today, just saying. If you wanted to be on a winner, as Nathan yeah, Ruiz pointed out on Twitter to today. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I went over this on Monday's episode. Now with Correa off the board, and obviously Trevor's story as well, the infielders are pretty much gone in free agency. So what the Orioles have is what they have right now. And they brought in Shed Long and Chris Owings and Rugnet Odor. And so you look at the infield, specifically kind of that shortstop spot. And I know we've seen... Mateo play there and Owings in the infield. You've seen Jemai Jones in the middle infield and Odor in the middle infield and, you know, Arias. Early in camp, how do you see that playing out? Do you think one of these guys can be an everyday shortstop or do you think this becomes kind of a by-committee position for the Orioles again this year? Yeah, I, I would be surprised if someone truly runs away with it. Um, and this is sort of to another topic of, this is, this is going to be a very interesting year for Brandon Hyde. I mean, this is a, a year in which he's going to sort of be tasked with monitoring and calling up some of these top prospects and, and sort of being the shepherd for their entrance to the big leagues. But also, they're going to want to start to see some of this process play out when it comes to the Ramon Urias's of the world, the Jorge Mateos, guys who they have brought in who should have some pretty good raw skills and wanting to make the most out of them. So um, I think the infield is a good a good sort of leaping off point for that discussion. Um, when it comes to shortstop, 
you know, I, I, I like Jorge Mateo there. I think he's the most exciting player. He's certainly the biggest spark plug on the team of any player. Um, you know, he, he just, he brings energy. He bring he can steal a base. He can dazzle. He's, uh, he's just fun to watch. And that's something that, you know, as someone who's going to be covering the Orioles, you know, wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind to see on a daily basis. So uh, he, he is going to get face some stiff competition. Um, like I mentioned, Ramon Arias is in the very strong contention for third base, shortstop, possibly second base from here to there. Um, Chris Owings was brought in on a minor league deal. And, you know, when, when we asked Michael Elias if he could foresee any long-term deals come, or, or multi-year deals at the very least, and he said no. And he said, but I could bring in someone for the shortstop position. And, and a day later, it was Chris Owings who, who joined the fray. So, yeah, I mean, you, you think they'd bring in a guy expecting him to seriously compete for a role, or else they would just stay in-house with what they have. So I think Chris Owens has as good a, as good a, a chance. But, yeah, I mean, you know, back to Brandon Hunt, I think it's going to be also a lot of the matchups that he uses. If, if he has a lefty mat, if he has a lefty lineup, if he has a righty lineup, if, um, you know, if, if some guy has better career numbers. So I think it's going to be interesting to see just how this infield lines up if Ramon Rias runs away with one position, if Kelton Gutierrez runs away with third base again. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there and it's going to be sort of an interesting case study to follow throughout the year. Yeah. This is something I've talked about as well. It's really interesting because I don't think any of these guys are like true everyday shortstops, even though Owings, that's the position he's played most in his career. He's played all across the diamond. You have Mateo who, you know, is an outfielder too, and maybe more of a second baseman. Arias probably better at second and third. Gutierrez is elite at third base, but not really a shortstop. You know, all these guys and no one, really the only guy in camp who is a shortstop is maybe Richie Martin. And I think he's kind of lower on the totem pole at this point than everybody else that we just named. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. But Zach, obviously, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting this spring to to see what happens with this O's team. And uh, we're going to have you back on this podcast (laughs) to uh, break it all down, maybe closer to opening day but uh let everybody know where they can find you and where they can uh, read your work as you make your return here to the orioles beat yeah yeah and i appreciate it happy to come on anytime um i'm still same old me i'm still at zach silver uh zach with an h never with a k um and you know i can be read at, at orioles.com mlb.com mostly orioles.com because orioles don't really get onto the main mothership mlb.com so uh orioles.com is where you find my work and at zach silver on twitter is where you find my beautiful face well, hopefully they'll be on the mothership soon, uh, Zach, and we can we can read you on MLB.com. Cedric Mullins got them on the mothership a few times, and hopefully there'll be some more guys like that this year. But thanks again yeah. for joining us. Of course. Anytime. That was Zach Silver of MLB.com, who covers the Orioles from live in Sarasota, covering all things Orioles spring training. We'll be back here on the podcast tomorrow. We're talking more minor league signings. A couple of veterans that the Orioles brought in, Bo Taylor and Buddy Bauman, both 30-plus years old. How will they fit into maybe not the major league team, but potentially the high minors to provide some depth for the Orioles this season? And both of them almost kind of seem like player coaches, almost. One of them literally was a coach last year. So we'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.